Hey, if you got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 28 is where we're going to be tonight. We are going to close up this series in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. I want you to go to the last like four verses. Tonight we are going to talk about the Great Commission or our God statement for this evening is Jesus Commissions. Everyone say Jesus Commissions. Look at your neighbor and say Jesus Commissions. Yo! I love it. I love it. All right, Matthew chapter 28. If you've been with us at all over the last like nine, ten weeks, we've kind of walked through slowly this gospel, this account of the life of Jesus. And if you've kind of been with us through the, the last two months, one of the common themes that we've addressed in this gospel is Matthew is saying, look, the kingdom of heaven is at hand for those who realize that they have a need. Everyone say, I have a need. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a need. Look at your other neighbor and say, you can't fill that need. I hope you were talking to a boyfriend or girlfriend right there. You can't fill that need. Say, Jesus can fill that need. Absolutely. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to round out the end of this gospel. So Matthew has told us, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Last week, Pastor Mateo went ahead and walked us through like some end times, like eschatology. Can we give Pastor Mateo a hand for what a message last week? I'm like, I was sitting back over there and it, it felt like every two and a half minutes I was like, that's good, Tao. That's good, Tao. I had, there was like four girls sitting back right over here. And every two and a half minutes they'd all turn around and look at me. And like roll their eyes, and I'm like, do you understand? Like, that you, hear me, friends. It will probably be like one and maybe three to five times when you go to church, you hear somebody talk about the end times and do it that well. Okay, so that was a good end times message, Pastor Mateo. But here we are at the Great Commission. Everyone say the Great Commission. We're going to round out this letter right here. If you have your Bible, I want you to follow along with me and get ready to underline and highlight some things. I saw a couple of you with a hard, if you got a Bible, raise it up. Raise it up. Yes. Oh, it's like all these people. Okay, if you got a pen, I want you to follow me. If you don't, follow on the screen. Matthew 28, 16 through 20, it says this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority, everyone say all authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord to which all God's people said, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. God, I thank you that your presence is here in this room tonight. That you care for the life of every young man and every young woman that's sitting in here, standing in here. You see us. You know us, you love us. Father, if it hasn't happened yet, I pray tonight would be a night where you would unveil eyes 
and you would unveil minds to begin to see and perceive that we are a people in need. We all have an ultimate need. And Father, I pray tonight you would begin to reveal to us how you meet that need. I pray that you would fuel us with confidence tonight, Lord. I pray that you would captivate us with your presence. Lord, if there are any in here feeling dry and calloused and distant from you and numb, I, I pray that you would begin to resensitize them to your presence again tonight. I pray you'd begin to open up their ears to hear your voice. I pray you'd open up all of our minds to, to understand you and to receive your good word tonight, Lord. I pray that you would take hearts of stone tonight and turn them into hearts of flesh. Show us yourself tonight is what I'm asking, Lord. And I pray that you would transform us yet again and all the more into the image of Jesus Christ. So come, would you just be with us? Would you help us become aware of your presence here this evening, Lord? I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And if you can agree with that, can you say amen? amen. Three simple movements of this passage. Jesus' final words to his followers before he ascends. There are some theologians that believe Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 1 and 2 are actually kind of the same thing taking place here. These final words, Jesus looks at his followers and he does three things. He makes a claim, he gives a command, and he gives some comfort. So these three things are the only things that I want to talk about here this evening. Number one, the claim. Everyone say the claim. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is such a profound statement. All authority. Everyone say all authority. I took some time and I studied out the Greek word for all this week. You know what the Greek word all means? All. Don't you love it when the Greek and English are the same? All. All things in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Now pause. If we rewind two months ago, the very first message we talked about in the book of Matthew was Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted. All right, and so what we have is we have at the third temptation, the enemy bringing Jesus up to a high mountain and he says, look, I'll give you all of this. Everything here on earth, if you just kind of bow your knee and worship me right now. And Jesus' response is... Be gone, Satan. Don't you understand? <laughs> My father's going to give me authority over everything on earth and where? In heaven. All things. So here are two questions that I want to ask tonight. Who is it that gives Jesus this authority over all things? Look at your neighbor and say all things. Who gives Jesus this authority and what does this authority entail? What does all things actually Mean. Well, I'm glad you asked. First, let's talk about who gave Jesus this authority. God the Father. Everyone say God the Father. Matthew 11:27. 27, put it up. Jesus says this, all things. You know that Greek word all? It means all. All things have been handed over to me by who? By who? Thank you, Preem. 
my father, and no one knows the son except the father, and no one knows the father except the son, and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. So we have the father, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, Yahweh, the great I am, El Shaddai, Elohim, that God giving all authority, all authority to his son, Jesus Christ. Now here's the thing. What authority means is one has the right and the power to do something. Pay attention there. Authority means one has the right and the power to actually do something. Older siblings, this is why your younger siblings rarely respect you. <laughs> because you have no right. <laughs> and you have no power to make me do something. This is, this is kind of how we see like authority play out. When somebody tells you to do something, the first question you'll begin to process if you're going to listen to them or not is, do you have the right to tell me to do that? And if you have the right to tell me to do that, do you actually have the power to tell me to do that? This is why people get frustrated with teens and adolescents. You know why? Because then you're a teen and adolescent, you don't want anybody to tell you to do anything. Right? You want, they actually say, counselors have done a lot of studies. Pay attention here. This is fantastic. There's a lot of correlations between an eight-month to one-year-old to an 11 to 18-year-old. I kid you not. I know this to be true. I have an 11-month-old right now. You know why? Because in the eight-month to 12-month phase, what you have with a baby is they start kind of doing this with mom and dad. It starts to become a, we'll start to feed Haven. She goes, no, I want to feed myself. Right? She starts to process, wait a minute, I have my own arms. I have my own legs. I have my own life. Let me live it, mom and dad. I just defined all of your lives for like the next seven years. You're starting to discover, wait a minute, I want to be my own human being. So what they're telling parents, counselors tell parents, look, if you want to learn how to walk alongside your teens, remember when they were eight months old. And it's like they didn't want you. How did you parent them then? That's how you parent them now. Just to, just to cue into your life, right? Authority means one has the right, one has the power. What Jesus is saying right here is he's saying, I have the right over everything in heaven and on earth. And I have the power over everything in heaven and on earth. What do you mean by everything, pastor? I'm glad you asked. That's a great question. What does everything mean? What does all mean in the Greek? What does all mean in the Greek? Watch how cool this is. John 1.3, the very beginning of John's gospel. John, he's talking about Jesus and he says... All things were made through Jesus, and without him was not anything that was made that was made. What John is saying here is actually all of creation, the beginning of time, Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Jesus, he was the reason and the means by which it happened. He has authority over 
all creation and not just over like the beginning of creation. He has the authority over the sustaining of creation. You with me? Watch this. Apostle Paul, next verse, Colossians 1. Put it up, Joey. He says, all, all things were created through him and for him. The him is Jesus, by the way. And Jesus is before all things. And watch this. In Jesus, all things what? You have a breath in the next second because Jesus holds you together. You will wake up tomorrow by the grace of God because Jesus holds you together. The color of your eyes is because Jesus said, oh, that's a great color for that human being. Your hands, your legs, your personality, all that you are, your family, the very fact that you are here Tonight is because of one person, and his name is Jesus. And you know why? Because this Jesus has authority over all, all things in heaven and on earth, all of creation. I mean, you, you, you walk outside these doors. We're at like the perfect time of year where the sun's still kind of out around 730 right now, and you look to the west and my goodness, you see America's mountain. And you see like that, you see that nice like sunset, you see the silhouette, you get to watch like the, the clouds roll over Pikes Peak, you get to see rain, like, like, hear me, Jesus has authority over that. Authority over all of it, all of creation, every, every, every good and perfect thing that we get to perceive in creation. The, the lilies of the field. Mateo was just talking about the, the being anxious. And it's like, look, look at the lilies of the field. How They, they don't have to toil or spin. Like, like they're just beautiful. Why? Because God made them. The birds of the air, the beasts of the field, like the fish in the sea. Like all of those are held together. We're created and held together by Jesus himself. He has authority over it. We look at the tornadoes happening around the country. Jesus has authority over it. You look at the earthquakes happening across the world, guess who has authority over it? Yeah, Jesus. You look at tsunamis that take place, avalanches that take place, earthquakes that, like any natural disaster, guess who has authority over it? Jesus. Jesus has authority. But now, here's the thing. Before I proceed to talk about everything, I want you to pay attention to what Jesus is doing here. Before he gives a command. He gives this claim that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. I want you to pay attention to what he's doing for his people right now. Where are my athletes in the room? Any athletes that I have in here? Okay, if you're an athlete, may, may, maybe you're in choir or maybe you're like in theater, maybe you do a musical. Put your hands down. Uh, I, I got you. I got all my people here. And here's the thing. Like, like how, how many people in here have like a pre-game routine? Pre-game routine. Right, like it's okay, these are the things you do to, to, to begin to like fuel your confidence before you hop out on the court, before you ha hop out on the field. My senior year of high school, I really got into the Rocky series. Really got into the Rocky series. And every night before I'd have a tennis match, I'd turn on Rocky Four. Turn on Rocky Four, and I'd go right to the scene where like he, he rolls up into Russia in the snow. And like Sylvester Stallone just like yoked out with a beard and he's got a big jacket on and big like moon boots. And he's the only guy who could make moon boots look cool. And he would spend like the next 15 minutes just being an animal, right? 
And he said he'd be running up a mountain in the snow and he'd be like throwing rocks and he'd be like doing sit-ups off like a ledge in a barn, like all that wonderful jazz. And I'd like watch that scene and I'd be like, yeah, yeah. I was a tennis player. <laughs> like I was I'm like sitting there on the other side, opponent's about to serve, like, bro, I'm about to yoke you in the face. Here we go. Like, like, but that was my pre-grain routine. Like, it would get me pumped up. Here's the thing. Shh. If you're an athlete, if you have a routine like that, you know what it's like, how, how important it is to like get your confidence from here to here, right before you're about to do something difficult. You with me? Pay attention. Before Jesus is about to give a command, he's taken his followers' confidence from here to here by saying, all authority. Oh, yeah, y'all with me? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So this is what I need you to understand. Everything you see, everything you hear about, everything that you're perceiving to take place in the earth, I have authority over all of that. He has authority over the beginning of creation and the sustaining of creation. He has authority over all disease. I mean, you go to Mark chapter 1, you have him cleansing the leper. Mark chapter 2, him healing the paralytic. Mark chapter 3, him healing the man with the withered hand. Luke chapter 8, the woman with the issue of blood. Over and over and over and over again, we see Jesus has authority. Cancer doesn't hold a candle to Jesus. COVID-19, it doesn't hold a candle to Jesus. All the things that you've experienced in your life with the brokenness of pain, disease, watching loved ones die, watching famine in faraway lands. Look, none of those things hold a candle to Jesus. Jesus has authority over all things, over all disease. Jesus has authority over all governments, kings, queens, presidents, prime ministers, political parties over all authorities, the wealthy and the poor. He has authority over Satan and his demons. If you're new to church and you're like, kind of what are we talking about here? We believe there is a very real enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy all by which God calls good. And yet, he's like a dog on a leash. He too has a master. He too has to submit to one in authority. You want proof? Look here, Mark 1, 27. It says, and they were all amazed. So they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. Jesus commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Again, if you were here two months ago, Matthew chapter 4, we have Jesus going into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And Satan has no ability to make this man break. Why? Because Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus has authority over the sinful acts of man. Think about this. Think about this. Think about all of the things you have done wrong coming into this room, prior to coming into this room. Think about the most broken parts of your life. Think about the most despicable parts of your life. Think about the most unclean parts of your life. Think about the parts of your life that you are most ashamed of. And yet, the gospel is saying the one who has all authority has the ability to take every single one of those things that the enemy meant for evil. 
and turn it for good. He has authority over all the sinful acts of men. Newsflash, you can't surprise him. You can't surprise him. If, if you were to read scripture from front to back, what you will get a clear account of is how jacked up hum humanity is. How often we fall short. How often we hear the voice of the Lord. How often we know what is right and yet we choose what is wrong. And yet, Jesus has authority to still give us new life. Which brings me to the next point. Jesus has authority over salvation. <laughs> Jesus is the one in charge of giving you new life. Jesus is the one who made a choice before the foundation of the world to come, to die for you and for me so that we might have new life for all of eternity with him. He has authority over dead things. I mean, literally, death has lost its sting. You know that, right? Check this out. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, 54 to 57, Paul says, death is what? Swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Look here. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But, thanks be to God, who gives the victory through who? Who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who has authority over all. all things. Death doesn't hold a candle to Jesus. He has authority over sin, salvation, death. He has authority over the mission of the church, which brings us to movement number two. We had the claim. The claim was that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. So now... Now that he has brought his followers' confidence from here to here, he issues this command. Put the command up, Joey. Therefore, go and make disciples of. Do you know what the Greek word for all is? Pay attention. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to O-B-E. Why? Everything I have commanded you, therefore go. I love this. I love that Jesus understands humanity here. He says, look, look, I know that what I'm about to ask you to do is going to be really, really difficult. So before you go, and you don't just tell someone, you tell everyone. You tell every nation, every tribe every tongue. You tell every, every person who sits in whatever political party. You tell every person who identifies as whatever gender. You tell any person who, who, who embraces whatever sexual orientation. You tell any, any, any person who is black, white, brown, anywhere in between. You tell all of them about the need that I made you aware of. You tell all of them how you have a God who cares for relationship 
with you. So much so that instead of forcing you to make a way for a relationship with him, he's going to come and give a, a way of relationship with you through the life, death, and resurrection of his son. Therefore, since I have all authority in heaven and on earth, go tell the world about me. Don't be ashamed in your school. Don't be ashamed in your family. Don't be ashamed with your friends. Why? Because they don't have all authority. They're not the ones in charge. They do not have the power or the right to do anything. You tell them who I am. Therefore, go. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to baptize them. In other words, I want you to walk with them from death into marvelous light. I want you to show them that there is a better way than the old way you sought to meet the need that I showed you. I want you to show them that there is a better way than pornography, that there's a better way than drugs, that there's a better way than relationships, that there's a, a better way than status, there's a better way than power, there's a better way than finances, there's a better way than a political party, there's a better way than a government, there's a better way to meet the need for life than those things. Life says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You with me? But then catch this, catch this, catch this. It says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Put that last slide back up, Joey. Verse 20. And, everyone say and. And. Teach them to obey. You know, here's the thing. I'm a young parent right now. And one of the things that I read in all the parenting books, we're, we're starting to make that pivot into disciplining Haven because she's starting to want her own thing. And one of the things that any, any, any parenting expert, whatever that means, will tell you is that, hey, 90% of what your child is going to become is going to be caught, not taught. You with me? 90% of who your child is going to become, like the, the things that they're going to value, the things that, the, the values, the ethics by which they are going to live their life, the way that they're going to perceive right and wrong, is not going to be by what you taught them. It's going to be by what they watch you value. It's going to be by what they watch you embrace and you neglect. And I found this fascinating, teaching them to obey. So as I'm hearing that as a parent now, I'm going, okay, the best way that I'm going to teach my daughter to obey the commands of Jesus is to what? Obey myself. Don't miss this. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to go and tell others about a God who got off his heavenly throne, came down to have relationship with them, to meet their need, to invite you into a life that is different than what they would have chosen for themselves. In order for them to see that as real, you're going to have to be obedient to Jesus yourself. And here's the thing. I've come to find that people obey in authority for one of two reasons. 
They obey an authority because they are afraid of that authority, or they obey that authority because they trust that authority. You with me? If some of you in here, you really know what I'm talking about. You might have experiences with your own parents where maybe there's not good relationship there. And maybe you've been in a situation before where authority was abused over you. And so you didn't say yes or no to this authority because you trusted them and you believed that they actually cared for your life. You said yes or no because you were afraid of what might happen if you said no. And I think this is really, really important because hear me. I think many believers today walk or try to be obedient because they're afraid of their heavenly father. And nobody's attracted to following a God like that. Are you with me? Nobody, nobody, nobody wants to submit their lives to a God who's, who's seeking to like punish his followers the second they mess up. This is where like religion becomes like disgusting. And we've all probably experienced it at some point in this room where you walked, in, you walked into a church or you came into an experience where instead of feeling like this was a place where people loved one another, instead what you saw on display was people judging one another. Instead of a, relationship, uh, uh, a, a, a faith based out of relationship, you, you found a faith based out of performance. And so what ends up happening is you start kind of following all these commands because you're afraid of God's character. And this is important to pay attention to. Because do you know that we actually know the character of God best by looking at the person of Jesus? Somebody asks you, what does God think about me? How would God behave towards me if I walked in a room? Well, you can open up the Bible and go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. See, well, here's how Jesus engaged with sinners. Here's how Jesus took care of people. This is how Jesus walked alongside people. What, what the Lord invites is for us to walk in obedience because we trust in him. Now hear me, fear of the Lord is a good thing. But when we talk about fear of the Lord in the Bible, what we're not talking about is an abuse. We're talking about a reverence and respect for the one who has the power and the right over all things. Are you with me? That's what the fear of the Lord is, is you're actually seeing God for who he actually is. The one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. The claim, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The command, therefore go, tell the world, all nations, all people, nothing's off limits. No one is off limits. I want you to tell everyone about the work I have done in and through you. And then check this. The news gets better. We end with the comfort. Jesus says, and surely, everyone say surely. Surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Three things to pay attention to here. One identification. Jesus is making a promise that he is not going to be distant from his followers, but that he is with his followers. And here's why this claim 
this comfort is really important because of the one who's making it. Jesus is saying the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth is going to be with you. Always. Always. The one who has authority, identification. The second thing to pay attention to is continuation. I am with you all the time. Catch this. There's never a moment in your life, in your life, where he is not with you. No matter how bad you feel alone, he's saying, I'm right there. And in fact, I'm going to be right here until the very end of the age. I'm not going anywhere. Can I get J-Lo and the team to go ahead and come on up? I'm going to be with you until the very end of the age. Surely I am with you. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you were afraid to do something? I remember five, six years ago, I just, I just finished my pastoral licensing process here at New Life Church. And when you finish your pastoral licensing process here at New Life Church, you become... You become ordained as a pastor here. And then what happens is they kind of throw you into like the deep end of what it means to be a pastor here. And one of the things, one of the responsibilities of being a pastor here at New Life Church is one or two weeks out of the year, they give you an on-call phone. And so at any given point, somebody can call New Life Church at 10 10 p.m., 1 a.m., 3 a.m., 7 a.m., and there's a pastor on call who will take that call. If you're a pastor here, one or two weeks out of the year, you're going you're gonna to take that phone. And I was like 22 years old at the time. I was a baby. And I was given this phone. I had just finished my licensing process the week before. I was terrified. Because I hear all the stories of the different, the different accounts of people who call the phone and what they need. And I was terrified that like I was going to get a really serious phone call on this week that I had it. And I'm like 22 years old. Like the, I was like, the last thing that people want is some like 22-year-old who like barely shaves, walking up to the door if they're like encountering death in the family, saying, I'm a pastor from the big church up north. And so I was terrified when I got this phone. And, and I remember like sitting there like, and I, I'd have it on high volume because it's like, man, like I can't let, I can't let a call pass. And and I remember just being terrified, okay, whatever calls, just as long as, like, it's nothing, like, too extreme, I'll be okay. Sure enough, three days into having this phone, I was working out at the gym, and I got a phone call. And there was another pastor here at the church. She said, Pastor Tim, we, we have a really, really serious situation. She said, look, we, we had a police officer who is a member of our church, Micah Flick, he was just killed in a shooting. His family's at the hospital. There was another, another member who, an, another police officer who was shot. He's in critical care right now, and they're needing a pastor to head down to the hospital right now. I was like, okay. I hung up the phone, and I was terrified. I was terrified to go by myself. I was terrified to like, to like enter into a situation that I've never been in before. And as it would happen, like, it's a situation where, like, like, like this, is, this is a guy who serves our city. This is a family who's given their life to, like, serve our city. And I didn't know what to say. I didn't know. I've never done a hospital visit before. And so I'm sitting there shaking, and I, 
I'm, I'm trying to race through what to do, and I'm getting changed. I'm getting ready to go down to the hospital. It's late in the evening, and the thought pops into my mind, well, why don't you call one of the leaders who's, who's been mentoring you? So I, I called Andrew Arndt. His boys are here in, in service tonight. I called Andrew Arndt, and he was, he was sitting at the table having a, a slow, relaxing evening with his wife. It's like 9.30. And my voice is trembling. I'm saying, I was like, Pastor, look, I... I know that you're probably chilling out right now, that you're relaxing. I just got a call on the phone, and I, I got to go down to, to Central to meet this family who just had their husband, son, brother killed. And I have no idea what to do. I have no idea what to say. I've never done this before. And he was just like, stop talking. Come pick me up. I'll go with you. And immediately, this peace washed over me. And I went to his house, I picked him up, he gave up an evening with his wife, his evening, and he went with me down to the hospital, and he's like, all right, Tim, here's how we're going to walk in. Here's some of the questions that you're going to ask. Here are the things to pay attention to. He's like, but don't worry, I'm going to be with you. I've never been more confident in a hospital visit. You know why? because I had him with me. I had someone who knew what they were doing with me. Pay attention here. Put that slide up one more time, Job. And surely I am with you always. You, know, you wanna know one of the best things about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Several weeks ago we talked about his words where he said, Come to me, all who are weary, who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And everybody loves that idea of the gospel of like, okay, let me bring my baggage. Let me bring my brokenness. Let me bring the things that I'm carrying to Jesus. Like, I, I like that idea. And then we get to the Great Commission where he says, go and make disciples. And everybody's like, I don't want to do that. Because there's this idea where he invites us to come to him, and then there's like this, this false concept that enters in that is then going, and then he commissions us away from him. That's not our gospel. He says, come to me, and surely I am with you always. Come to me. I'm going to take care of you, and I'm not going to stop taking care of you. You know why this is good news? Because none of us are perfect after we come to meet Jesus, right? None of us have it figured out. I've been following Jesus for 20 plus years. And I still, I still wake up falling so, so short. I still find myself in broken places in anxious places, in fearful places, in angry places, I still find myself falling short. And yet, I get to look at these words from my God and remember that he is with me always. Will you stand with me? I want you to just take a moment 
Bow your head for me. Some of you in here tonight, you're afraid. You're afraid of following Jesus. You're afraid of walking with Jesus. One, because you don't believe you have what it takes. One, because you're afraid of giving up your own lordship in your life. You're afraid because you don't know what it's necessarily going to mean for your life. And with that, with that fear, I want to say to you, look, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. He has the right and he has the power to take care of you, to lead you to be with you. And you almost need to hear the beginning and the end of the Great Commission before you hear the middle part. That he has all authority and that he is going to be with you always until the very end of the age. And in light of those two things, he invites you to go tell the world of the good news that you found in him. Can we bring down the lights, Drew? Let's make it, let's make it just a bit darker. So here's what I want to do this evening. I want to give you time to just pay attention to Jesus, you and him. I want to give you time to bring whatever you're carrying to the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth, to the one who has the right and the power to take care of your life. I want to give you time just to be with him. I want, I want to give you time just to meditate on the thought that surely he is with you always to the very end of the age. Before we go in to kind of responding to the command here, I want to give you time just with that. So if if you can, just bear with me. I want you to just find a spot in the room by yourself. Find a spot where you can be undistracted. Find a spot where you feel like, okay, my, Jesus, you're going to take my undivided attention right here for the next three to five minutes. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have the worship team play this song as you just lock in. To the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. To the one who is surely with you always. Maybe you're in here tonight and you're like, Pastor, I have no relationship with this God. I, I don't know what you're talking about, but, but I want it. I want relationship with him. This is a perfect opportunity for you to pray this simple prayer. Jesus, would you reveal yourself to me? Jesus, would you make your life, your kingdom, real to me? Maybe pray this prayer. Jesus, would you come and would you satisfy me? 
my thirst, my hunger, would you satisfy it? This is time for just you and the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You and the good shepherd. You and the bread of life. Jesus, meditate on him. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you, would you help clear the clutter? Would you help clear the debris? And would you help us just to see you, to commune with you, commune with you to hear those words that surely you are with us always to the very end of the age. Would you give us ears to hear you?